Sometimes in life, you find yourself on the right side of the line. We got a trio of threes talking about a four. <laughs> Just because it's called a stereotype doesn't make it a lie. <laughs> you can put that on my greatness statue, that okay. quote right there. Live from Texas, this is the Dryline Farmer Podcast. <laughs> has four thumbs and hates people these guys it's the dryline farmer podcast that's right ashton it is the dryline farmer podcast we've got a special treat this week just like at dq because that's we everybody knows that's where tom Tensith visits on a he's probably got a regular seat at the dairy queen down there wherever he lives but um, nonetheless we hope that dairy queen will become a sponsor because they are a national entity this is the Dryline Farmer Podcast. Landon is on assignment this week. What that means is, is he didn't show up, so I don't know. I gave him the week off, whatever the case is. But this week we've got a well-known Twitter felon. No, you're not. A, you got that one dismissed, didn't you, Tom? I, it, I did get the three felonies dismissed. Okay, so you're you're not any longer on the no-fly list. That's correct. Well, that's good to hear because. We don't do any background checks here on the podcast, but we got Tom Tenzis. That I'm sure all of y'all have seen him all over Twitter. He's a, uh, I don't know if he's a gun fanatic or a hunting fanatic, or maybe he's a banana split fanatic, but whatever the case is, we thought we've been trying to get together and do a podcast episode together, and I thought I'd shoot a little interview his way, and we were going to see how that goes. Tom, how's it going down there? Tell me, you're over there in what they call North Texas, even though I'm in actual North Texas, but... Tell me, uh, tell me whereabouts you, your DQ is. Well, my, my Dairy Queen is off of Ranger Highway in the, in the big city of Weatherford. You know, that's where you can go there. It's the home of the Belt Buster. And uh, you can walk out there with a dilly bar anytime you want to. <laughs> the, dilly, the, dilly, the dilly bar is way underrated. Way underrated. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there who could use a dilly bar. I mean... And, and sometimes, you know, you ever notice that when they, when you go there and you order the blizzard, have you ever been to Dairy Queen when you go through there and they, and they don't they don't tip it upside down? Don't you get, is isn't there like a discount? It's not really a blizzard then or is that, it's not quality. Well, isn't it supposed to be, isn't there a discount supposed to be involved or do you have to like write a letter? I don't know what you have to do, but if they don't, if they don't, if they don't turn it upside down, I think it's just low quality because, you know, the Georgia mud fudge is the one that you want to order when you get that, and because uh, that's the thing that you want sitting on top of that uh, that, that double double half pound uh, belt buster. <laughs> that's the best combo here. Uh, you know, the, the when they named all that stuff, they got the hunger buster. Now the our Dairy Queen in Hereford, it is just two blocks down from the high school. And now back when we were in high school. When you were freshmen, like they don't let the freshmen off campus for lunch anymore. But when we were freshmen, we would always make a back when we could actually move, you know, until we got fat and old. Uh, we would have what would we have? We'd have 35, 40 minutes. We'd have 35 minutes for lunch and we'd run two blocks down. Actually, there was Dairy Queen there. And then across the street was Mr. Burger. And and then if we really felt like we were um, athletic that day, there was another barbecue joint another block down. But we would uh, hit the DQ and the Mr. Burger pretty hard. 
and um, fill our, our fill our arteries full of cholesterol and sodium. But um, I, I haven't seen the George. Would you call it a Georgia mud pie blizzard? We don't. I don't think we have that in Hereford. Georgia Georgia mud fudge is what they call it. So it's some type of it's it's got a lot of fudge in it, a lot of chocolate, and it's it, it's it also has pecans. Yes, it's it's a favorite of my wife's. And uh, she always wants to make sure that they turn it upside down before I bring it here. Otherwise, it's not of the right consistency. See, I'm a if I if I saw Georgia mud fudge, I would probably order it. But I'm usually the uh, chocolate extreme blizzard guy, and I have to get the mini. I just I feel guilty if I get a small because it's really it's pretty sizable. But you know, so the difference. So I go. I like going to Sonic because their mini is really a small. Like it's probably two cups worth of ice cream. You go to the you go to the DQ. Their mini is actually a mini. Like like I'm putting my hands up. Like if you could actually see it, which you can't. But um, it's actually what it's like a it's larger than a communion serving size, but smaller than a shot glass. What 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 would you call their mini size? I would say it's a shot glass. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah, now because you know the little the the little communion cups where you tear tear off the top and you have the wafer on top, and then and then the then the Jesus juice is right underneath that. I would say that that's a thimble. That's not really a shot. See, see now, are you Catholic? I was born and raised Catholic. Uh, however, uh, we we attend a non-denominational church here. I, I married a Pentecostal girl. So is so. Don't tell me is your church called either the Harvest? Living Water, or uh, let's see, what would be another one? Weatherford International. No, no, no. It's Grace Community Fellowship. Okay. GCF. That that would have been that was my that was my fourth guest. Well, um, guess. Well, we just came across the, the last two months. See, we do we're Methodists and we do it the first week, first Sunday of every month. And I think since COVID, we I, I we got introduced to the wafer in the first plastic sheet on top of the grape juice with underneath the secondary uh, plastic sheet. And that's kind of a new new thing for us. And it's, you know, when you got people with arthritis on one side of the one side of the church and then you've got the little kids with the parents and then they like crush the uh, communion cup when they're trying to get the, the flake out. It's pretty it's pretty sweet. On that note, when back before the covid days, this is tell you the good old days. You know, we go up to the altar and we do all that stuff. And uh, we have the plastic little cups on the tray or whatever. And I was reaching. I got my bread. I was reaching for the uh, for the, the cup, the little shot glass. And they're all plastic. And, of course, and I was grabbing it. And it wasn't going. And it wasn't going. And I was just starting to make my move to the next one. And it was too late. And I had crushed it right in my hand. <laughs> and it splashed across like four cups and got all on my hand. And I knew that I couldn't come back to church ever again because I knew that wasn't a very good sign. But um, I don't know if it was a baptism or a sign from God. So now, was that one of those stacked-up trays, kind of like a wedding cake that had the holes drilled in it that the little cups sat in? Yeah, so this was the, this, this was the second layer. So they, we'd already gone through. No, no, this had to be the first layer because we sit close to the back. So we were probably gotten the first one. But, yeah, these are the trays that they stack on top of each other like you get the fancy entree on a cruise ship. Well, it almost looked like you could use it to to roast jalapenos on, right? <laughs> well, well, no. These are sterling silver, so I don't know if they would stain. They would probably stain, but uh, 
No, these um uh, these are something you could put these are something you could put a whole lot of deviled eggs in and put the narrow end of the egg in the side you know in the side where the cup goes. It would be a it double as a de- isn't that hey isn't that ironic Tom the communion tray also doubles as a deviled egg holder. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. Are you sure that you guys are Methodist? Because that kind of sounds like a little bit of a Catholic event. Well, we are. Our Methodist church is about to experience a split, so I don't know. I don't know what we're going to call ourselves after this year, but it's. Um, well, you could have you could have like the second Methodist church instead of the first Baptist. You could go back and you could have the second. See, there's actually a second Baptist church in Lubbock, and I don't know. I never understood what the first. I didn't know we were ranking everybody now. I didn't know that was. Well, I don't. I I didn't, I didn't know if you knew this or not, but about that is that. You know, you have your, uh, you know, you. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. And this might be a newsflash, but uh, you know, Episcopalians, they they don't recognize the Pope as the leader of the church, right? Right. And and you know, and and for the most part, Jewish people don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God, right? Yeah, I know where this is going, but go ahead. But but Baptists. They don't recognize each other inside the liquor store. That's right. You, if you want, you don't want anybody to drink your beer. Just bring a Baptist with you in a six pack, and that thing will last all weekend. Mm-hmm. Now that's what they say. They say you never go fishing with one. Always take two. Cause if you just bring one. He'll drink all your beer. That's right. Now, now, Tom, what are you drinking tonight? I've got my Shiner Light Blonde, and it's only ninety nine calories. Well, uh, unfortunately, I've got 13 carbs in my hand, and that's out of Modelo Especial. I do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's my favorite. I do like, and I like the Negra Especial, the real dark version of it. It's really good, too. And you always got to be real careful when you're when you're saying that model. Well, you, you have to be careful about the carbs on that one, too, or not? <laughs> you know what? I have got a problem. So, it's funny. When we go to these stock shows, all, the for some reason, the Michelob Ultra is the beer of choice. You've got all these steer jocks standing around with their, you know, with their flat build caps, and they got the uh, not quite a mullet haircut, but almost a mullet haircut. And you know, they've got, you know, they've got thirty steers down there and uh, Prosper that they're trying to get sold, and they're, you know, wanting twenty grand a piece. You know, they're doing all that badass talking, and yet they're drinking a Michelob Ultra that has, like, how many carbs does a Michelob Ultra have? Like, what, zero carbs? Or I don't know what the story is. I think it's actually a negative. I think it's a negative, too. You actually pull carbs out of your body. It's like a catheter into your liver. It's, it, it is. Exactly what it is is it takes sugar straight from your liver of the converted lack of alcohol, and you end up losing two <laughs> carbs from each It would probably be a, to my advantage to do that. You know, I've, I've, if you're drinking beer, who care? Why you're obviously not caring about your health if you're drinking beer and why the low carbs? I, you don't see potheads out there, you know, getting a high fiber marijuana out there, do you? Well, here's the thing, you know, because they're they're going ahead and they're they're token it up. And I don't know if you're old enough to remember that commercial where the guy's sitting in the old burnt out house, kind of, and he's in his room and he's in his late thirties and. And mom yells from the kitchen, Jimmy, are you going to find a job today? 
And he goes, no, Mom. While he's rolling a joint, says, I'm going to do that tomorrow. While he's watching black and white TV that's got some fuzz on the screen. <laughs> I think he's, Jim, Jimmy's going down to get some nachos. I don't think he's worried about calories or carbs. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I guess I must, the first... Oh, what was the first jingle? Where's the beef? That was kind of, and I already made the donuts. You know, I can remember that. That was kind of around that Goonies age. So that's probably, uh, this yeah. must be a 70s thing. Am I, yeah, yeah. Well, I am I am 50 years old, so uh, oh, I've experienced a little bit of that stuff over the years. And, you know, I, I remember, what, what age group are you and Landon in? So I'm approaching 40. I'll be 40 next month. And um, so we're in between the, uh, I guess you're a Gen Xer, aren't you? Or what are you? Yeah. So I'm I'm in between that and the millennials. Because from what I've seen from all official documentation, millennials start in 1982. And I was in 81. So we're kind of the in-betweeners. I don't know if we've ever been designated as a generation. We... We might be the lost generation, but now my wife is a millennial, and Landon is, I would say he's a millennial just by a year or so. So we're uh, we're in that, uh, we really like Stranger Things because that's right up our, that's right up our time zone. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you, it's real nostalgic. Have you noticed that it's more difficult to do business uh, that way, or do you feel it's harder to make relationships? Uh, do you have any issue you think that's associated with it? Well, I try my best to piss everybody off that I can, so it's really not an issue with that. <laughs> no, you know, I've noticed, and you've probably the same thing, when you get older, I don't know what age it was, probably in the 30s somewhere where age differences really didn't matter. You know, when you're in your 20s, you know, thirty, late 30s are kind of old, and if you're in your 20s, maybe up to, I would say, you know, you can you can disagree with me here if you want, is it 26, 27? What age is the when you become the old guy at the bar? Or can you get to 30 and be all right? Well, I think you can get to 30. I think I think what you're reaching at today is if, if you're in there and what I'm starting to see, and I, I, I see this daily because, you know, I'm around people a lot in the business, and, and I see this... Uh, you see these guys that are at the 45 to uh, 52, 53 range that are uh, obviously doing that 10 cc's a week of uh, testosterone clinic stuff, and they got that little red hue to their skin, and their veins are popping on the outside, and uh, they're they're they've got that flat brim working and that affliction t-shirt on, and they're wearing a pair of jeans <laughs> with more on it than my wife has on it, and um, you know. They're wearing those, and they're and they're they're trying to look like they're in that thirty-two, twenty-eight to thirty-two range. And I, those are the guys that really look old. And <laughs> uh, and this is coming from a fifty-year-old guy that has zero that fashion sense at all. Affliction. <laughs> I kind of think I that maybe that. having iron iron clothes is pretty fashionable. Iron Maiden. And, uh, oh, oh, iron clothes. <laughs> you know, do you do you not do you not see that anymore? And the and the best part is, is when you see one of them that's in the fifty-five. To, 58 range and they're married to their secretary and they're like 28 to 32 and they're pushing a stroller down the street and that guy looks so tired that he just he's wanting a Mack truck to run him over <laughs> oh that is an awesome plug for Bruckner trucking isn't it 
well, you know, Bruckner Truck Sales has been in business since 1932. <laughs> and uh, I don't I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Brent, but, you know, they got their start there in the panhandle. And uh, they opened up their uh, first shop there and uh, been in business since 1932. Uh, Benny Bruckner Sr. Uh, started fixing alternators and uh, working on other electronic equipment back there in the 30s. And uh, matter of fact, one of his workbenches was actually featured in the Smithsonian years ago. And I know you being up from the panhandle there, uh, you know, panhandle has a lot of agriculture and oil in that area. And uh, they were the first Mack truck franchise in the state of Texas starting in 1948. And, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a pleasure for me. I've worked there for 26 years, started as a mechanic, uh, and I spent about five, six years doing that. Got into sales in 2000, and I've been in sales management since 2017. Been a good company to work for, and uh, I enjoy coming up to the Panhandle. Usually, I end up there during hunting season a lot because I, I do like bird hunt. And so that's that's where the mothership is right now. And currently, uh, we're located in seven states and uh, have over 30 locations. But when I went to work there, there were just three. So you're the sole reason it's grown uh, tenfold. I'm not. I'm not certain of that. Um, nobody has come forward and, and gave me that award for anything like that. But uh, you know, it's it's we've it's been a lot of fun. I've had built a lot of great relationships over the years up there, and uh, had a, had a lot of fun selling trucks and selling trailers for Brothers. Been a great company to work for. So so now do y'all. Um, is it just Mack trucks, or are y'all a multiple dealer, uh, multiple brand well, we dealership? Sell, yeah, well, we sell uh, we sell not only Mack, but we also sell Volvo, Hino, and Isuzu at different locations. And we used to carry the Fuso line. Um, and the nice thing is, is what I currently do is I'm the trailer sales manager uh, for the corporate side. So I help all the salesmen out there help sell trailers and stock all the trailers. You know, any of the heavy haul flatbeds, drop decks, uh, equipment-type uh, trailers, any oil field trailers, the vacuums, uh, acid, stainless steel, any of the agricultural-type trailers uh, for hauling chemical. Uh, we don't we don't offer a, uh, a dry van or a reefer, but we everything else we kind of keep in stock. Now, you said vacuum? Yeah, the vacuum. That would be the – you see the steel tanks that go and collect uh, salt water – production water off of the well tanks oh, okay and uh or maybe up in your area maybe they move manure with them or they'll move uh, liquid drilling mud uh, back and forth and they'll go there and they'll pull they've got have a pump on there that'll suck that uh create a vacuum on the tank and then it'll suck up any kind of uh, water or sludge off the any of the tanks yeah the most uh ever since probably the early 2000s most of the liquid uh, hauling trucks is all milk up here. We've got dairy dairy wagons going around like it's um, Wisconsin down here. It's pretty wild on the uh, on the milk front. Well, I was going to ask you, and that and that deal. Did you guys see an influx of people moving? Because we have a large dairy community down in Erath County, Stephenville. Oh yeah, and down in that area, and, and you know, you see them feeding that cottonseed trash. 
that'll come off and you'll see the dairies there. And a lot of those dairies moved out of that area and went to New Mexico over the years. Right. Did any of them move up to the panhandle over there? Or so, do you think they all ended up in New Mexico? So over there at Clovis, which is um, 50 miles, 40 miles um, southwest of Hereford over there, right across the New Mexico state, uh, Texas state line, uh, there's a real heavy concentration of dairies over there. But like I was saying earlier, about long about 2000, 2003 and four, we got started. The influx started coming out of California and we've got several dairies uh, that have moved in from California. So there's a couple from Idaho, but um, we probably went from zero dairies in the 90s to gosh, I don't know. I don't know how many dairies there are. I know. The one right next door to my farm, they milk 12,000 a day. They've got three milking parlors, and they pretty much surround me with either the dairy or farmland they bought, and then there's a dairy in between my house and that farm, and there's a dairy north of my house. And, of course, we're really known for our feed yard. There's a feed yard northeast of our house that they're feeding 30,000. They're I think they're increasing their capacity right now. They're building more pens, but... uh. I, you know, I know Stephenville, there might've been a couple people out of Stephenville that came up here, but most everything's from California and, uh, and, uh, Idaho. And, um, you know, they've, uh, they've get, gotten really competitive on the land. They uh, sold their stuff for top dollar by the square foot over there in California and, you know, brought, came over here and really made it pretty, uh, competitive on the, uh, buying land and everything. But, um, so yeah, it's been it's become pretty uh pretty dairy heavy here in the Panhandle, and uh, you know we grow corn, we grow food corn for the co-op here and non-GMO food corn. It's pretty good, you know, pretty good contract, and we've been doing that. That's where Landon works. He works for Hartford Grain, and so uh, we we've dealt with them for several years. We used to have a Frito Lay plant several years ago, and they quit and left in the late 90s i believe and um pretty much all the corn grown here went to there they gave a really good basis probably you know maybe a dollar over which with our deal it's it's about the same as that with dividends and everything but uh you know we're growing more cotton now because our water our water capacity is irrigation is just dramatically dropping every year and there's been more and more cotton growing here and you know, like my farm, it's about it's four thousand feet elevation, which is pretty tough on cotton. But you know, they're growing more, they're developing more varieties that are, uh, you know, getting the shorter season and they can handle those fewer fewer growing degree days. Which the last several years hasn't been an issue because we've had year after year of heat, and of course we're in a D four drought now, and you know it's uh it gets pretty gets pretty relentless after a while so hopefully we'll we'll come out i i saw the latest um la nina forecast they're calling for a bad one this year so who knows i don't know we've gotten more snow than we did last year but and we were like neutral i think but whatever the case it's we've had several droughts in a row and you know we have you'll look on the almanac and you know oh y'all had a great year well like was it last in 19 we didn't have any rain until august and then we got like a six inch rain in October, and then you know we were showed above average for the year, and yet it was just a dry son of a bitch, you know, and hot. And of course, we had those bad, bad years in the early 2011. Of course, that was that set all the records. Um, it was just beyond depressive. We had I can't remember what it was, 45 days above 100 degrees, and 
you know, all summer was above 90 degrees and no rain. And it was, it was a pretty sad state of affairs. That's when the cattle herd started getting cold all across the, you know, Southern Plains and everything. But, um, to answer your question, yeah, we've had dairies that, uh, you know, they've really taken a hold, um, around the area. So, but yeah. So when, when you, when you're selling, so you're selling the feed corn goes to the co-op and then does some of that, do they take some of that, the, the distillers, uh, grain what's left of that and then mulch that up into with other other feed stock and then feed that to the dairy cattle so no so like our stuff it's all it's all food grade corn so it's for human consumption so it'll either get shipped to uh california i think a lot of it goes down to dallas but there's two ethanol plants on the east side of hereford and i think one of them has been idled for several months but all of that i think pretty much all of that corn gets railed in from the Midwest and there's a big Cargill has a sizable terminal terminal on the West side of Hereford. And I think, I don't know how many loads a day they haul out, but it's all railed in. Cause you know, obviously we've got, I think they said we feed a million head a year and just in the County, uh, you know, we can't grow near enough corn to uh, service that and um, little, and then it's not a, it's not competitive compared to our, our uh, food corn contract we have okay. with our co-ops. So, yeah, all the feed yard corn, I would say the vast majority of it is um, is railed in. Now, obviously, a lot of silage is also grown here, too, and, you know, that goes to a, that goes to the feed yards of the dairies, and that's really the silage has been really, I mean, it's pretty hard to beat. You have to kind of think about whether you want to grow silage because it's such, I mean, it pays really well. The only We've got several cows, and, of course, we use cotton, corn stalks in the wintertime for uh you know, to graze them out during the winter time. But, um, so we, the silage well, is kind of hard very, for us. That's very important, Brent, because if you have those kind of stubble stalks there, is there any chance that you have any pheasant that are hanging out in that? So I was wanting to get to that. Um, and everybody knows if they don't, they haven't followed his, um, Oh, somebody's calling in, but he can wait. He's a vet. And, uh, but, um, so yeah, we've, um, We've got, uh, we had pheasant, of course, our pheasant season's in December, and uh, we actually, I haven't actually been out to hunt pheasant. I'm not, I'm not just a big hunter. I play golf and stuff, and the only hunting I really ever did was pheasant and maybe did a little goose hunting, but we've got, you know, we've got some pheasant uh, hunters and um, that come in from all over the place. You know, back in the 80s and the 70s, uh, back when we really had a lot of uh, runoff water. Um, we had tailwater pits and everything, and now everything's center pivots, so the all the runoff is non-existent anymore. But you know, back in the day, that you could limit out on a pheasant hunt on one run, and you know, you might go all weekend and barely see a couple of roosters. So um, it's pretty. You know, it's gone gone downhill. Now we have a. Our, we're right in the middle of a goose uh, geese flyway. You know, we're real heavy in that Canadians and snow geese. But Tom, there were some people uh hunting on one of our places sunday morning and that was after we had just gotten like three or four inches of snow and they were out there and you know you got to get out there what do you get out there four in the morning four thirty in the morning to go set up decoys and these people were out i got out i got out and checked cow water broke some ice and drove back by at eight o'clock in the morning and i guess they just gotten i don't know i thought i saw them walking back to their pickups but what is it about laying under a big massive decoy at six in the morning 
when it's twenty deg- literally twenty degrees in the snow. Tell me, Tom, how is that fun? Well, it's because you hate yourself. Well, it'd have and, to be. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pure self hatred <laughs> because you you go there. You should really you know and and you see you can give a man a goose, you can give a man a duck, but if you teach that man how to duck or goose hunt, that man's wife will hate you for the rest of your life. Let's see, we have what a. Fifty percent divorce rate. What is it? Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it, it's it, it's a it's a huge divorce rate among waterfowl hunters because there's there's something demented about somebody that wants to sit out there and actually shrink their scrotum <laughs> to the size of, of of dried peas of the BBs in the shells. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so BBs only smaller uh, to <laughs> quote an actress, but. You know, it it, it kind of gets to the point where you actually hate yourself, and you do sit there, and you ponder when your teeth are chattering, and you can no longer feel your feet. You're waiting for that one goose to fly over, so you should pull the trigger, hoping that there's a band on that one, because let's face it, <laughs> everybody says, oh man, I love to eat those Canadian geese. I'm going to tell you straight up, I've had them in sausage. I've had the breast. I've had had them cooked with the skin on. Oh. Okay, but I mean, I'd be I I'd kind of if I had cooked goose in front of me and there's a can of Alpo next to it, and I was dying of starvation, I'd probably eat the Alpo. Now, isn't that what they ate in the Christmas Carol, the cooked goose? And they and they were yeah, broke, yeah. and they had a kid that was a cripple. Yeah. Now that was a Christmas story, yeah, yeah, yeah. The duck it's smiling at me, yeah. No, uh, so my uh, dad, yeah, oh, it was a heck of a show, yeah. My now my grandparents they grew they grew tame geese, and you know obviously when my dad was a kid, and of course they were just I mean they were poor as you know about as poor as you could get without being homeless back in the forties and fifties, but um. And them's anyway, those some bitches were mean. He said if they flapped their wings and you were next to them, they could break your arm just about. Anyway, and they would cook those things. And when my mom and dad got married, she they were they I think they still had them. And I mean, I think my mom had one season of that. And she goes, no, no, we're not. I'm not doing that anymore because she didn't grow up on a farm. She grew up in town, and and she she grew. Her parents were teachers, so they had a little bit more money and everything. So she got to eat. You know stuff that was grown in the supermarket. You know, so um, she didn't. She wasn't really down with that. So now the are now are you a crazy hunter? What kind of level of crazy? Because you remember the hot crazy matrix, don't you? The dude that had the oh, hot. Absolutely. Uh, now are you a? Uh, I know you're not any more than about a five hot, but what kind of crazy are you? Oh, I'm. I'm, I'm probably. I used to probably be at a probably about a probably about an eight or a nine. I, I've traveled abroad a few times. I, I love to do that. And I, to hunt, and to hunt. Over and hunt. I've, I've, I've hunted Cape Buffalo, uh, hippo, crocodile. I've been to Mozambique, enjoyed that. But uh, probably now I've probably settled into where bird hunting is probably my favorite thing. And then taking the, the we've had some exchange students and other people's uh, kids up taking them hunting i get more enjoyment out of that probably any more than i do anything else 
Now the now the deer blind is it really should be called a beer shack? Isn't that what it really is? Well, it really is because it's actually you know it's a it's a four by six blind up there, and and, and normally it's it's ten feet up in the air, and, and I like to occasionally make a video or something and do some stupid things and kind of show the the landowners' cows and. Uh, you know, I'll talk to the cows sometimes and tell them to kind of leave, but they, they don't they don't listen to me. Number thirteen uh, is a red Angus, and, and she's really <laughs> mean, and she doesn't listen. And uh, so you have to be real careful when you're walking back to the truck and out of the lease. And that's just 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 touch north of Morgan Mill. And I don't know if the if the if the cattle think that since they're near Morgan Mill. There's like the, you know, rodeo capital of Texas or something. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not a bull rider. And uh, every time I'm walking back to the truck, I always think, you know, I, I need to get across that fence. And then you always hear the stories about the guy that got rammed up against the fence by killed in the, you know, in the corner posts. And so, you know, that the thought goes through my head, you know, and I say, what's the best way to get away from these cattle? And, uh, the best thing to do is to not walk out of the blind when it's pitch dark. That's the best thing to do. But, you know, I always, I just think about it. Cause I mean, like, let's face it, I could run, you know, but, uh, I'd probably die from a heart attack before one of the bulls got me. <laughs> now, um, yeah, I see, I figured you'd be getting down into the Bramer country. There, there is, there is a, there is, there's a, there's Bramer that actually is on the neighbor's property. Uh, and then, and but the, the people that own own the land, and I, I hunt on a little 103 acre place that's just north of Morgan Mill. The people that own it, they uh, they had purebred registered Angus there for the longest time, and you just now started crossing them. Uh, they, they're they're baldies now and uh, hornless, and uh, and so he's obviously, I think. Them with a, and I'm, I'm I, I know actually nothing about that, but I think that they, I think he's bred him with a pulled Hereford bull, right? And uh, so he's got baldy cattle down there, and they're cute, and <laughs> they're cute, and they're, they're cute, and uh, but they're not really cute when they're trying to ram you in a fence. So, uh, what's what's really funny is the landowner will show up there on Saturdays. I figured to schedule out now, he shows up on Saturdays. And he'll start calling them. And I, I really need to record him doing it because it's kind of like a yodeling session oh. while he's shaking a feed sack. What and a, uh, he got, it's probably got cake, doesn't he? He, he could probably, I, I could probably make a rap song out of it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I don't doubt you could. I don't doubt you yeah, could. But there's, a brand, there, but there's a Brammer bull that sits on the other side of the fence on a neighboring property and so i'm waiting if, if if he finds out that any of those any any of those uh cows ever got bred by one of that brammer bull he's gonna be mad because that fence it ain't real good it's good but it ain't real good so i'm you know if you've got cattle in heat uh it doesn't matter what kind of film unless you've got a uh Unless you've got a New Mexico United States border wall, it ain't gonna hold them because they're gonna jump it. They'll run through it. It doesn't matter if those cattle are in heat on the other side of the fence. And I'm sure you've That's seen that out of a deer blind. Love will find a way. 
<laughs> yeah, love will find a way, especially if it's Bramer love because they're made out of pure stainless steel, and um, it's not a pretty sight. Now, speaking of the videos, you've uh, taken it upon yourself to make a couple weather reports over the last year, and uh, I've got those recorded. We'll play those. You won't be able to hear them right now, but when we drop this podcast, we you made one out of Kansas. Now, tell me what inspired you up in Kansas to. Uh, I think you were blocking maybe for a pheasant hunt. Is that right? Or were you blocking for some quail? Yeah, what were you doing? I was yeah, I was blocking, and I had uh, Miss Dixie with me, and uh, I, I ended up with Dixie a couple of years ago, and uh, she's been a good dog. She's English setter, and and I don't, I don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and put out a public service announcement as a PSA. If you have three dogs at your house already. Don't go on a business trip and bring home a fourth dog. It's, it's just a PSA. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put that out there. Is she number four? One of my better decisions, and uh, especially one that sheds uh, white hair. Not a good idea. So, and uh, just I'm just gonna put that out there. But anyhow, in the in the in the process, of all this, you know. Just kind of thought, you know, maybe I needed another dog. And well, so I was up in the and I love to bird hunt, right? And I and I have this English setter, and we had already walked like four days, and I it felt like somebody had taken my legs and beat me to death with them. And the hunt wasn't all that great, and so I they said, hey, we need to have somebody block the end of this field. So I blocked the end of that field, and uh, I thought, well. There really wasn't a lot going on, so I thought I'd go ahead and give a weather report uh, because, you know, I, I, you don't have, you know, and I realized I wasn't hired to be like a, a field staff on, uh, you know, the man on the street giving you the weather and everything. But I really thought, you know, from a voluntary position that maybe I, you know, trying to get that job to see if I could be your on-staff field reporter, kind of like a dryline farmer podcast pro staff weather reporter. Is that position still open? You know, we've gotten a few applications in, but um, so far nobody's passed that background check, and um, we're, yours is still in the mix. I know there was a, a couple holdups. I think it was the NSA maybe. They were had a few questions. They saw you on a video. I think it was like at the Capitol building a few days ago. You were looked like you were – I swear it looked like you were – like you poked the eyes out of like one of those paintings and you were looking through it and you had like Daryl taking your picture. It, it could be an, I, I'm not going to lie, Tom, it could be an issue. Well, it, I, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't me that, uh, and I don't care what the lady that uh, had the caption that said, or, or where's the Cracker Barrel gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, that was the, that was the best caption. And, uh, you know, there's a, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, that was a, I will tell you this, uh, that, uh, I'm glad that, uh, I don't think there are any pictures of me there. Well, see, to be honest, I really thought you were the, um, silence of the lambs guy with the horns and the tattoos and the painted faces. That's really who I thought it was. I thought it was Tom Tenseth that had the Tatanka outfit. I can guarantee you, in a lineup, I will not be picked out as that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that guy's a professional protester, but uh, it's a, uh, you know, what do you expect? 
you just kind of expect you're going to be on video or you're going to have a picture taken of you anywhere where anything is going on except maybe in the deer blind. And you're taking your own weather report, so that's obviously out the window. Yeah. But um, your Kansas weather report, then it looked like you did another one in, I believe, was it, was it Odessa? Oh, yeah, Odessa. You know, and, and that's the fortunate thing is I get to, get to travel for work. And uh, there's a there's – and I've, I've seen, you know, I, I still don't really truly know. And I guess I could have Googled, you know, dry line. And, but every time I Google dry line, it, it pulls up your podcast. So you <laughs> I'm sure it does. People want to find out. So I, I didn't, wasn't really aware. And so I was videotaping that and I was going like, here it is. And the only time I'd ever seen like rain and then there's this line where the rain stops at. I was assuming that there's possibility that that was the dry line. I, I remember going to see on one of those vacations. You know, when you're a kid, you don't get a choice whether or not you go on vacation or not. You jump in the 73 Catalina Grand Safari Station Wagon with the 455 Pontiac. And it was golden color, by the way. Now, did they have wood panel doors? You, you stop at all these places and you shut up during the whole trip because that's back when your parents, you know, if, if, if you were being a bad child, they'd, they'd beat your ass. <laughs> so... We're going down the road, and, and we go to see Uncle Frank and uh, and my aunt Orpha, and we were there. And, wait, whoa, 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 aunt who? Orpha, which would have been my 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 grandfather, my grandfather Oliver's sister, and um, so I and Oliver unfortunately passed away in '54. My father's and uncle's dad. But uh, she was still alive, and uh, Aunt Orpha was married to Frank. Well, we went out there, and of course, my parents were, I don't know if you know this or not, they were really cheap. So he must have they had, like a coupon or something to Disneyland. And we get out there, and we're in uh, whatever city they lived in in California. And I remember standing outside there by the road, and I got to see the rain with these huge raindrops. It was dry where I was at, and the rain was moving like about you know two inches a second. And I've never seen that before. And I was seeing that in Odessa, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's. So I thought maybe I've witnessed a dry line. What do you What do you figure, Orpha? That had to be short for something. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Orphelia, or. <laughs> I, it might have been, you know, she was a, a product of a, of a German and Norwegian love affair. I was going to say, was she uh, a dirty she, Swede or something? Yeah. 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 And she is actually, to be honest with you, she was a lieutenant in the uh, Army and uh, met uh, met her husband, at, uh, Walter Reed. Really? Yeah. Lieutenant Orpha? Yeah. Yep. Huh. That is something else. That is something. Yeah, you know, and and I have to admit, you've already got another strike against you because in both uh, of your weather reports, you said the Dryline Farmers podcast, and um, it's not the Dryline Farmers podcast. It's just it's just one Dryline farmer. <laughs> so I don't oh, I don't know. I'm afraid well, it's not looking very good. We we might have to uh, curve the scale a little bit, but we'll try to get you in there. That's I always enjoyed the uh, the where, where they would go ahead and do that with a we're grading our tests and grading on a curve. Um, I still remember when they handed me a diploma. I was like, man, this is so amazing. How is this possible? <laughs> so um, I still remember that day. 
that that was a you know you really put us on the map with it i gotta tell you you know my downloads went from 20 to 30 it was Are you serious? it was it was touching it really it really got me right right well, in the feelers you know, I, so do you think that maybe possibly the live well i i, I hope you'll take me into consideration because I, I really like that non-paid position <laughs> so does landon so do i <laughs> I figure, I figure in ten years when I get my investment back on my microphones and my mixer, that <laughs> I'll start paying dividends, just like the co-ops do when they're fifteen years behind on their dividend payments. Not mine. He, they're on time, but uh, I like the co-op. Well, you know, Landon, Landon, with the you guys were talking about the you know how how the trucks come in overloaded all the time. Uh, with the you know when they do the harvest and they oh yeah pulls in with their trucks and I was it, it, when he was talking about that the one guy that pulled in there and it was at one hundred and ten thousand pounds or whatever right gross and I was just laughing about that so badly and you know when I was back when I was a mechanic we'd have this group of guys that were obviously grain haulers that would go from location to location to location which all they were were custom grain haulers it wasn't the Typical, you know, the Carlson farm showing up with the trailer that hasn't been moved in 11 months. Right. Go on ether the old Ford L9000 and rattle <laughs> off. And it finally starts up and some wasps come out from underneath the hood. And my you shit know, all so, over the seats. Yeah, these guys would come in and, and believe it or not, the name on the side of the truck was the James Gang. The and James. These were guys that would come in and haul from down in Kansas. And they would come in with these Kenworth K100s and everything else, some old crusty old cab overs, and show up there at the dealership and want their air conditioner fixed. And during harvest season, when they'd be pulling wheat in, and I remember working there at the Mac House at Brutner's, and you'd be fixing the air conditioner on these things, and those trucks would just smell just exactly like Hereford. <laughs> See, now those guys... And these, I don't know if they still make them, but I know they still wear them because uh, there's a trucking outfit in the Hereford. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of Ryder. He's probably got, oh, 30 trucks. I don't know. Whatever the case is. But all his bull haulers, they've got the old boots that they've got like the metal latches that you can, you don't have to take your regular cowboy boots off. You can put those boots over the top of your you know what I'm talking about? They've got the big metal latches. They open real wide. That way, they don't ever get oh, Hereford yeah. in there. Oh man, dude, they still. I don't. I don't. I don't go anywhere. Jibos, Tractor Supply, anywhere. I don't see them selling it anywhere. These they must. I don't know if they have like lifetime warranties. I don't even think the people that make them are still alive. But these bull haulers are. Um, they're still using them, and they're awesome. Their trucks are clean. You've seen you've seen you've seen quite a bit of stuff in your lifetime, even though it's been fairly short in comparison to mine. <laughs> yeah, whole ten years less. The cowboy boots that had a tennis shoe bottom on. Oh yeah! Oh hell yeah! Those those were um, that was in the Mo Betta Mo Betta, uh, shirt days. Remember those? That was when Garth really Mo got Betta. big. <laughs> Mo Betta, the br- that was the that was Mo Betta was the um, follow up to the brush popper. I think I had a Mo Betta shirt. Garth Brooks made him big. Oh, he put him on the map, man. It's like Tom Tenseth doing a weather report for the Dryland Farmers podcast. Ooh, kind of, you know, 
you know, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, if you ever see anything that, but, uh, one of our, one of our salesmen out of our Enid, Oklahoma store actually drives the, the truck for OSU. Oh yeah. We talk about Garth. I'll tell you a short Garth story right quick. So he, uh, he gets to go to the, all the ball games and sits up there on the sideline. He said, Garth will occasionally come to those games. Right. And Garth will hang, Garth will hang out there and he's, he'll be on the sideline and kind of incognito. And he sits there and he kind of fidgeting back and forth between everybody. And supposedly this is the story I've heard. And, uh, of course, it's second hand from, from, from our salesman there, which of course, I mean, do you really trust the salesman anyways? But anyhow, he says, God, no. Garth is there and he's kind of bouncing back and forth. And he says, he goes, man, this is just so great to be here. He's just being one of the regular guys and everything. And, and I guess Garth goes on about this two or three times. And finally, one of the guys that kind of helps with the equipment, like Jeff does, he, he kind of looks at him and he says, you're going Brooks, damn it. Start acting like it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he got kind of, you know, because I mean, if you are Garth Brooks, you kind of are somebody in Stillwater, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he grew up what in Yukon. I mean, come on, he's Garth. It's like, yeah. come on, Garth, let's get some tail in here. <laughs> let's throw that weight around a little bit, yo. <laughs> I mean, uh, isn't that kind of like being Chris Bedwell right there in, in Hereford? Well, no, now they would run. He would run the tail off. <laughs> he wouldn't bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody special, you know, which, you know, Chris is special. Yeah, he's, yes, he gets his own parking spot. That's how special he is. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty That's true. Right. Yeah. That's right. Well, let me give you a, uh, I'm going to give you a couple quick hitters and um, see, I just want, we're going to play, I don't know if it's a psychological game, but I want to know without any uh, thought processes, what your, uh, what do you watch on YouTube? Well, I like watching the hog hunting shows. Now, like the animal shows, or are we talking like cruel college prank shows? Oh, no, no, the animal shows. Oh, okay, okay. Because we had an episode on hog hunting, and it wouldn't have anything to do with any weaponry. So, um, have you watched... Now, I watch live PD clips all day long on YouTube when I can, which this time of year, is, I can I can do it a lot. So, yeah. So hog hunting videos. So do you get any suggested suggesting ads from watching all those hunting videos in your Google feed when your cookies are all full of uh, hunting videos? Absolutely. Uh, so it's, it's usually for uh, hunt uh, for rifle scopes and uh, rifle scopes or Midway USA. Something will pop up there for ammunition or anything like that, but. Uh, you have to watch. You have to watch what you say or text on anything because you don't know what you're going to get a suggested ad for next time you open up your Instagram or your Facebook or the Twitter box. I'm telling you, man, and I've ta- I've heard this from more than one person that you know I was talking about such and such the other day, and I guarantee the next day it ended up on my. I, I had ads for it in my Facebook feed, and I didn't search it. I didn't. Even I didn't even put key word, um, keystrokes into the search bar or anything, and it was in there. I guarantee they're listening to us, but that's a whole other episode. What? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it happens even doing texting. Yeah, it's it's scary. Yoga pants, yoga pants, Tom. 
Let me let me tell you a, a short story about yoga pants. <laughs> we we were please at, do we were at the airport though. I, I I travel quite a bit for work and uh, in flight. It seems like everybody's kind of relaxed their travel uh, attire, and uh, and you'll be there at the airport, and uh, and I, I had a lady bend over right in front of me one time, and right standing in front of me in the security line, pre-COVID, of course, otherwise I would have been six foot away. And she bent over. You probably started six and, foot away, and then she and, bent over. And as the, as the song goes, showed her world to me. And <laughs> Was her body a wonderland, Tom? <laughs> no. Oh, no, it wasn't. No, it was no, Disneyland. No, it, well, no, it, it was, There's, you know, there's a difference between Disneyland and Disney World, and they say the difference is the size. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, I was actually in shock. I mean. So did she split or what? It, what? it should actually be illegal. And this was a DFW airport. And uh, I thought, you know what? The only way to really break people from doing this would be as if I were to wear those <laughs> pants or leggings to the airport because then they would deem those as lewd and salacious. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Nobody wants to see that chicken breast of yours in the front of your pants, you know, hanging out. <laughs> they, yeah. They'd, much be, they'd be much more comfortable with a toe than a breast hanging out the front of anybody's pants. <laughs> Only reason I bring that up, because some dude on Twitter the other day said, women need to stop wearing yoga pants. I'm like, yeah, some of them do, but not all of them. Well, you know, and, 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 and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a man, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like uh I don't need to see all that. And I think that uh, even though we know that our Lord and Savior was tempted three times, <laughs> we don't, you know, maybe, maybe that guy's right. Maybe they don't need to be wearing them. But, you know, I'm for a free society, and you can wear whatever you want to wear. Uh, but just be prepared for the consequences if somebody goes, ew. <laughs> Tom, Tom, let's be honest. If, if say, it was you or me and and we were in the desert for 40 days with the devil, if he was wearing yoga pants, even that would have been a hard pass for us. <laughs> you know, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. I would have been quoting scripture too, you know. You could take me to the pinnacle of the temple, dude. I'm still shutting you down, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, that's true. You've seen the commercial with Satan and the 2020 girl, I'm sure. The Match.com no, one. That that no, I haven't seen that one yet. But yeah. I'm, I, unfortunately, I haven't. But I'm, I'm going to Google it after after we get off this. Yeah, you need to definitely. Yeah. So Satan, he uh, uses Match.com, and he, and they finally matched him with something, and the girl's name was 2020. And uh, anyway, they do this like love romance sequence. They go on a date and everything. But uh, okay, so now. Um, What's this last one here? Now you said you're. A, tell me about this biker um, side of you. Now, are you like a Sturgis biker, or what kind of biker are you? Or are you like no, a? Uh, I, 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 I've got a. I've got an old shovel head that I've had for years, and uh, and I like. I I've rode for a long time, and you know when I'm a mechanic and early on in sales before I got married, I liked to ride motorcycles. 
I wasn't much of going to Sturgis. I just like, um, I like the sound of a motorcycle, especially a Harley Davidson. The older, the better. And, uh, I kind of hadn't really rode in like 10 plus years. And we had an exchange student. Our first one that we ever had was from, uh, we had for a semester from Germany. His name was David. And he seen it in my shop and he wore me out. He left and right. He goes, and he rode a motorcycle back home. Of course, they're limited to the amount of horsepower until they're a certain age, until they're 18 years old. I think it's like 35 horsepower. So they're kind of a 125cc is the largest motorcycle they can ride over there until they're 18 years old. And I've had that shovel head from a, well, probably since their mid 90s. And he, he just wore me out. He said, man, he said, if you had that, uh, I can't believe you own that motorcycle and don't ride it every day. And so I said, tell you what, David, I said, if, if you're man enough to start that motorcycle, I said, with a Kickstarter, I said, I'll work on it and get it running again. I said, you help me work on it and get the brakes going. And, uh, we worked on it for about two or three weeks and, uh, uh changed cleaned the carburetor out and got the brakes changed and actually fixed the electric starter that had to work for like the last 20 plus years and drilled the broken bolts out which is pretty common and the bolts that fell out and uh, fixed that and got it up and running again and uh, i told him i said if you if you can go ahead and start it like a man and he kick-started it and he was uh, he was right at six foot one six foot and went ahead and he stood on it and he had about 155 pounds and he got it fired up. And, uh, I told him, I said, now, David, I said, if you want, you want to come back, um, you know, after you graduate high school, I said, me and you, will, I'll go buy another bike and me and you'll take off for a couple of weeks and we'll go right across America. And, uh, you know, I really, he was a good boy. Um, and, and we showed him everything there was about Texas and hopefully I uh, didn't ruin him in any way. But, uh, you know, he's going to come back. He was supposed to come back this, uh, this, uh, last, uh, during 2020. We we're going to go for a ride. As a matter of fact, with our girl from Italy that we had, she rides her own motorcycle over there in Italy. And, uh, so I bought another motorcycle and, uh, for, I uh, bought an O2 dresser, a uh, garbage wagon for me to ride and then take Alessia with her, my wife. And then Alessia could ride on the back of, uh, day on, on my 78 model and you know that's i just enjoy getting my knees in the breeze and getting out there on the road that's that's poetic tom knees in the breeze that's yeah, beautiful knees in your breeze, yeah. Yeah. you know that's uh i enjoy it um, I, that's it's not a uh i would say that it could be an unhealthy lifestyle but uh, at the same time, too, I, I enjoy I enjoy motorcycles, especially Harley Davidsons or any of the old Triumphs or BSAs. And I, I, at some point in time, I'd like to have an even older one, maybe in the mid fifties. I'd like to have an old seventies style chopper uh, at some point in time. But I don't. I'm not sure my back could probably handle riding one of them. But I sure think they look cool. The, the chopper. It just seems like your arms would go to sleep after you turn the first corner. They look yeah, neat. They look neat. I, I, yeah, you know, they're they're pretty tough. I, I 
you know, I've rode a hardtail a little bit, and you know, and I, I do think <laughs> that's what she uh, said. You see some of those guys riding the hardtails, and they'll put the big 18 inch wheel on there, and you can see them bouncing all over the highway with the open chain primary, and uh, they got grease all over their pants. But you know what? They they look like they're free, and they're not worried about <laughs> anything else because they're worried about that motorcycle falling apart while they're riding it. So they don't have any time to worry about anybody else. So it kind of frees your mind for a little bit. Move over, Walt Whitman. We've got Tom Tenseth coming here with the poetry, man. I tell you what, I can't tell you the last time in college when I rode a hardtail and got grease on my pants. It just it wasn't a hard. <laughs> but that's for another time, Tom. Tom, we're getting here to the end of it. Tell everybody where you we can find you on a, on the Twitter box and um, any other social media you want to make public. I'll just just small game safari at uh, Twitter box or on Instagram SM Game Safari, and uh, you can find me on Facebook at, at Thomas Tenseth. And, uh, I don't spend much time on there, mostly on on Twitter. I like Twitter the most, uh, even though. I'm sure at some point in time, Jack will strip me of my rights. So but that's okay. You can, you can find me. I mean, what does everybody expect? They've got a homeless guy with a nose ring running the thing. Of course, he's going to shut down everybody that's conservative. Yeah. Well, you know, not, I don't necessarily think I'm conservative that much. I've got four dogs. Come on, Brent. Well, how many cats do you have? Is is really the is the measuring stick? I have zero cats. This is a cat free establishment. <laughs> so we've got two dogs, and but we've got a cat. He was a barn cat. He was one of four that we got from uh, my wife's sister, and um, got him as kittens and put him out in the barn. And he was the first one to disappear. Then two more disappeared, and then the last one disappeared, and then. My wife was telling our neighbor, which is about a half mile down the road, about our cats. Some somehow they got talking about cats, and she goes, "Oh yeah, we had one show up a couple months ago, and he hangs out with the dogs." And sure enough, it was Waffles. Anyway, so we go oh, down. Waffles. Waffles. Oh yeah, they got named from uh, I forgot what cartoon the boys named him from, but it was Waffles, and I can't remember. But he was my favorite. From it wasn't. Me. It wasn't the blue waffle, was it? No, 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 no. This is this is a tiger strap wall made from wings of fire. I don't know. Whatever the case, he we got we rounded him back up and brought him back down here and we've we let him in the house a couple times and now he's he's not a house cat per se, but he's in the house quite a bit and but he doesn't shed, so that's the only reason he gets to stay in here. But um we've got two little Austra mini Australians in the backyard and their their pets is about all they are, so um and they drag up dead stuff and um such as that goes but um yeah so everybody we have had a blast we me and my even this turd in my pocket but uh i've had a blast talking to tom you can find us on twitter at trader brent and at no twitland and 44 and also on the global ag network at global ag network and also we always got to give a shout out to our good buddy casey seymour that's at moving iron llc he does the moving iron podcast and we're gonna have to hook up tom and Casey, because Casey is an equipment guy, and Tom moves equipment, so there's got to be a love story somewhere in there. And I'm sure there's some good hunting in the panhandle of Nebraska. But, um, so yeah, that's um, uh, hawking our uh, podcast out to anywhere you can find them on the internet. So, Tom, any last words? Um, are you, uh, you're 25 years, you're probably going to be retiring in the next couple, aren't you? 
Oh, you know, you know, at, at the age of 50, I'm planning on retiring probably by 52. <laughs> so, you know, what I, what I, what I really like everybody to do is remember, you know, no matter what the economy, you remember there's a commission salesman out there that's dependent <laughs> on you. That's right. And, uh, seeing as though, you know, we can't say sell more in 04, we're going to say get her done in 21. There you go. Because hindsight's 2020 and it, um, almost called you Lennon, isn't it, Tom? Let's let's put 2020, go ahead and plunge it, and let's get it down the lateral line. I tell you what, man, I don't know what it is about 9- and 10-year boys, but damn, they can, talking about plug, they can plug up a crapper, and I don't know how their body does it. But by God, I know know, why, because you can hear them grunting from the freaking living room. You know, you you take a good look at it if it's still in there before you have to put the plunger on top of it. If it's got three full humps coming out of the water, (laughs) that's a Loch Ness monster. (laughs) You you can hear it growling from underwater. It's that kind of mean, yeah. That is for show. Well, guys, we're going to get out of here. Once again, we want to thank Tom Tinseth uh, of Weatherford, Texas. Was was that a... We got a security wall. Hey, that's perfect timing. I thought that was a duck call at first. Well, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thanks, Tom. And we'll ask everybody. What side of the line are you on? The Dryline Farmer Podcast, a member of the Global Ag Network. There's podcasts, and then there's this, the Dryline Farmer Podcast.